Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Twyla After Show podcast. With me, Avery Davidson, Carl Wiggers, and Kristen Oaks-White. And Monica is taking pictures. That's a clicking sound you will hear. No, she didn't time it. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> we, uh, we are finally getting back to recording one. And uh, it is probably our, our last real show of the right. year. Just in time to go into reruns. But uh, we did want to do uh, one for you guys. And this is a fun one. We look back at all of the shows that we've done this past year and some of the stories there and uh, leading off, of course, my alligator story, which everyone just loves to friggin' laugh at. Uh, in fact, <laughs> I got a rightfully I got, so. I got a serious question. You okay. shot. So what we're laughing at is your stand up right. in your stand up. Mm-hmm. We're going to spoiler alert. This is probably one of the lighter moments of the entire year. We're going to talk about later in the podcast, but also. You're in your stand-up where mm-hmm. you're talking on camera, holding an alligator. And put in the story. It's in the story. Mm-hmm. You get peed on. Yeah. Just an alligator pissed on me. Clear <laughs> as day. But what was weird was I went back the next, like, after that week's show and, like, went to pull a clip of all those bloopers because you were showing me some of them. Right. There's the alligator wrestling with you and stuff. And I found a perfectly good take that does not involve you getting peed on. Right. So why use the one? I was, I was like, wait, wh- what? And and you didn't even realize that that happened. Or you knew it happened. I'm, a sh- it, I'm sure it goes to show you the pr- mental process that you use when you're editing your own stuff. <laughs> is one, you're a much harsher critic of yourself than anyone else is, and two, you're I'm laser focused on the delivery on the delivery and and nothing else. And that's why. Did you know you got peed on when you left? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Did you know? Did you yeah. know pretty soon after that take was done? You're like, oh yeah, that's there's something yeah, wet. In my- I did. Um, um, I did. And then, you know, in between then and getting to the studio to edit it, I just forgot about it and didn't really think of it. So as you that. wore alligator pee all day. Well, until I got home, I changed clothes at home, but I didn't from the stand up day, to actually right. editing yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. to actually Dang. editing, which was a few days later. Um, and just so that we know and mm-hmm. you know, our listeners can get a good idea. What does alligator pee smell like? It's, it's not been, very strong. Not very strong. Uh, okay. You know, so I I didn't like I wasn't walking around stinking or, you know, dying from it. But Nothing unusual. You thinking know. But you have no proof of that. My yeah. cats, however, you know, were all over those pants when I took them on. What's worse? Sticking their nose in them. Coming home with alligator pee mm-hmm. on your pants yeah. or coming home from the hornet shoot that we did. The hornet shoot. With by all the stings by a large margin yeah. i would i would have an alligator pee on me every day versus being stung even just once by one of those things it's yeah like, i of course have never been shot but you know i if the <laughs> bullet feels like that it's i mean it is impactful yeah yeah is the and, word that i would use and i can account for this neil almost uh, never will call in sick he took sick days after Getting the stings. Yeah, yeah, I had to take one because I literally couldn't walk after one of them. I mean, you got stung, what, seven, eight times, nine times? Did uh, you count them? Yeah, it was 14, actually. Oh, oh okay. Just yeah. 14. Just between 14. my two legs. Golly. Um, and it, that was were, what? Was that was, 2019, 2020? Yeah, it was before 2019. Yeah. 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 It was, they were, my legs were so swollen, I literally couldn't unbend my knees wow. when I woke up the next morning. And the crazy part is that was a sting mm-hmm. through... A bee suit mm-hmm. and two pairs of socks. That's correct. And did you, did you have did you have us put a sweatpants? Put sweatpants on over our. I had yeah. I had well, I had pants on underneath the bee suit on top of that and two pairs of socks and oh. they just stung right through. I thought it. I could remember if you had us put a la- an extra layer on, but yeah, it was no. It was that's four layers and said they didn't care, did mm. not care. And you know what was worse than any of that 
was the saddle soreness I got after doing that horse riding thing. On, <laughs> really? Uh, With Johnny Boudreaux? Oh, my God. I was so sore. I was so tore up and chafed from that. It was unbelievable. I hadn't ridden a horse in 20 years at that point. So many details. That, yeah. It was. That um, actually, that that's part of also our look back this year. Raw is a word. Raw. Yeah. yeah. We won't have to go into that. Yeah. I did think of you the other day. My wife and I started watching Yellowstone. Oh, yeah. And uh, have you watched it, Kristen? Are you just yes, starting? Yes, we're just now getting on board. I'm oh sorry. Everybody, everybody in but front of is watching that they show. have a guy that's just city, not city boy, but just mm-hmm. not a rancher that jumps into mm-hmm. the uh, mix, and they sh- literally duct tape him to a, a little bit of a hazing. <laughs> they duct tape him to a saddle to break a horse, keep a, keep a body on it, wow. and just wears him out yeah, all day. I could see it. And I thought of, <laughs> they're talking about him on horse, and like, man, you don't look like you belong that thing at all. and. Yeah. I thought about you riding that horse and <laughs> <laughs> looking a little bit out of place. <laughs> Anyways, okay. so we're doing our look back show. And one thing we're trying to do is update all of our stories. The story you kind of pitched as a feel good, a not storm related story for the look back was the alligator story, which right. we love the blooper from it. But it's got to look a good positive element of change since the story aired right what's that i mean the biggest thing is of course louisiana alligators are iconic to the state and i mean they're we're just known for that they are apex predators in the swamps out there and they were endangered because they were hunted so profusely uh in the early the third 1930s and, and 40s and so they they started implementing this conservation program to basically anyone who collected or eggs or used alligators had to return 10% of them back to the wild, 10% that were grown up to a certain size. And you hear it in the package, they talk about that. It's around 36 inches, but they have to return less if they're like up to 48 or Mm -hmm. more if they're 24 inches, but it's, it's a range. And so it's been so successful that this year they want to reduce that number from 10% to five, because right now, the most liberal estimates are there's one alligator for every citizen in the state of Louisiana. Wow. Oh, and man. on that, like, what's the, isn't there like some kind of a figure, and you may know this, Avery, or I don't know, isn't there a figure for like the survival rate of these eggs if yes. they were left alone? Yeah, and it's, 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 uh, it's 90% plus mortality rate for eggs, just, you know, for so an alligator to hatch. In the wild. Right, up to two years of age. So and it's almost it, right beneficial to take the eggs, grow them in a house. Right. And and do that in hatchery, right? But yes. in, by returning 10%, mm-hmm. you're in essence doing what would happen naturally anyway. Because totally. if 90% would be taken out by mortality, you're ensuring right. that 10% of the population makes it out there. Yeah. So probably this is even better because they're at a healthier stage when they're released into the wild as compared to, I mean, when they're first hatched, it could be, the mortality rate could be even higher and we just didn't know it. They are. And and now the population is so high that they've they've exceeded the take, you know, that they're mm-hmm. they're propagating on their own. And I've been out in bayous where I just see I there was there's one if you go to that Achafalaya stop on I-10 and you go north of there, there's some bayous there. And I swear every 10 feet there was an alligator mm-hmm. in, the, in the bayou. It's really I cool. Mean, it's, I mean, they're yeah. they kind of kind of scare you when you're on a farm and you just see them. But it's right. also really cool to be able to just. Yeah. See them out in the wild. I mean, they don't scare me, but I can see how they you can't scare me, but I can see how they can maybe be a little bit of a nuisance or a problem. Yep. But it's also really cool that considering they were endangered at one point. Right. Which means and, that they're 
that's a healthy ecosystem because right. as apex predators, if they're propagating and they're doing well, then that means they have a food chain out there that they can depend on. Yeah, that's cool. So look back, we're talking look back. We do it every year, every mm-hmm. this time of year, every year. One thing we've talked about last week and last week's show, we talked about the winter storms. Mm-hmm. This week, we're also talking about Ida. Mm-hmm. Why so many freaking storms? Well, why don't you tell us about the stat you found about Hurricane Ida that's pretty eye It's insane. So I was writing the script last night some, and I found that it's like one of the top five Atlantic hurricanes as far as deadly, uh, not deadly, as far as damage, damage and costly. Yeah. $65 billion. Because that, well, it... It didn't. It it brought all that damage and flooding all the way up to New Jersey. It was insane. I was like, I mean, because we were so close, I almost feel like we were, we were, we were in the storm as maybe all of our team. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to put it in historical perspective. When you think about Harvey and Katrina, I mean, these big storms, mm-hmm. Hurricane Sandy up in the Northeast, you know, a few years ago, like. It's crazy to think about Ida being right there in the list with all those because I don't know. It's just, on the face of it, I don't know. It's just, it's, it just kind of blew my mind a little bit. And, you know, I think for some of us, it, it, didn't, it didn't garner that national attention the way some of those other storms did uh, with weeks and weeks of coverage. Whereas, and especially for us here in Louisiana, it was like, it came in, it ripped up. I mean, Grand Isle is still a complete and utter mess because of what Ida did. You have areas of Lower Terrebonne Parish that just got electricity two weeks ago, mm-hmm. okay? I mean, this, this storm hit on August 29th. Yeah. That's, that's significant, but it didn't gather that national attention until you saw some of what was happening in mm-hmm. the Northeast, and then suddenly... It's in New York's backyard, and uh, it's that, a big deal. The one dairy in um, New Jersey it did ten million dollars worth of damage just to that's because of the tornadoes that yeah. spawned from that. Yeah. The one thing also I think is that, and Avery, I know you've been covering uh, hurricanes. I have for a long time now. It's hard to get a good perspective when you're on the ground. Mm-hmm. You know, you get a good perspective of the wrath of what a hurricane can do, but you have no idea how widespread it is until you get some time in between it and 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 the storm. Yeah, having been covering hurricanes since 1992, night hurricanes are the toughest to cover because power goes out, there's no sunlight. Mm-hmm. There's no way to show the damage as it's happening on video. When you look back to Hurricane Lily, uh, you know, in in 2003, we were able to get that that shot of the dumpster rolling into the truck and the the billboard in New Iberia blowing away that Randy LaDuff over at WAFB got those. Those are the the shots that bring it home to people. Ida. We didn't have that. You didn't Mm -hmm. see the the camp getting blown away why because there's no way to see it i remember mm-hmm. the same thing with hurricane rita hurricane rita came in overnight mm-hmm. and uh we were in lake charles at the time mm-hmm. and that was it was tough for us to cover because you can't go out and get video of of anything going on you hear trees snapping in the distance yeah heard plenty of those and you know, you hear a couple of thuds. Well, during Ida, we heard some thuds. 
at the house. But, you know, during Hurricane Rita, Steve Caparata and I were up on the top level of the LaBerge uh, mm -hmm. parking garage with an anemometer checking the wind speeds. Mm -hmm. But there was nothing you could see. The only thing we could we noticed was we saw when the trees in the parking lot fell, and then we saw when the sun came up the next morning, the trees were turned the opposite way by the winds because hmm. the eyes the eye had passed over us. It turned it all the way around, hundred eighty degrees. Speaking of trees down, that was what we had I had covered there in Tangipahoe Parish, and they are still real. I mean, it, that is the amazing thing to me even as all this repair work goes across Southeast Louisiana, they're still in a lot of that same damaged state. And part of it is the economics. There's just not the economics there to sell all of that down stuff. And they're, they fortunately we've gotten some rains on and off. It hasn't been quite as dry as we were after Katrina. So there was, hasn't been the wildfires uh, as bad, but um, they're still in the same, they're going to be in that same economic situation for the foreseeable future. Is that because of like, it's not economical to harvest them mm -hmm. from that like downed state? Yeah. If you remember after Hurricane Laura, they were getting a dollar a ton for downed pulp and, and trees, a dollar a ton. I mean, you can't, you can't make money off of that. Mm -hmm. It's not even worth for, for a lot of them to bring the crews out there. They can't, that, I mean, that doesn't pay for them, much mm -hmm. less any sort of profit or, or, you know, earnings on that material. And like I said, all the supply issues you're hearing about, there is no supply issue in terms of the raw wood or paper. I mean, it's just getting it, you know, to the, these areas. So it's not worth it for anyone to, to come in and, and get all this stuff and pick it up. And the other thing most people don't realize about timber is it is a crop just like any other crop. It just has yep. a longer growing period. Yep. So when timber gets knocked down, you want to get it out as quickly as possible to plant your next crop because it's going to take you another 40, 60 years before you see any return on that investment. I mean, it depends upon if it's hardwood or, or pine. I mean, pine right. will grow grow yeah. faster you could be getting some income in 10 15 years but even still 10 15 years that's how long it's been since katrina and mm -hmm. the story you did they were just starting to bounce mm -hmm. back from damage katrina. from katrina and, and it's the kind other... of like it's mind-blowing to think that was half my life ago yeah mm -hmm. and they're still trying to recover from that right. storm and it's just like man and they were when i was there what a month after the storm mm -hmm. and they're in there's a, there a few weeks yeah it was they were just finishing chainsawing the roads, getting the roads clear on their 5,000 acre. That doesn't come anywhere close to touching getting all the trees up from deep in the forest where they don't even have roads and that sort of thing. Right. You know, so, I mean, they're still I'm sure they're still digging that out. I haven't confirmed that, but but I'm I'm sure that work is still undergoing and will be for at least another year or two. Yeah. One thing I did see, and, and Kristen, you talk about this a lot in the boost, it's kind of hard not to find the silver linings in times and storms, but we saw it in the winter storms also in these farmers that are just out there taking care of their calves in the, in the cold, keeping the ice, like the troughs, like the water troughs not frozen over. But you see it also mm -hmm. in hurricane damage. Mm -hmm. The farmers helping their neighbors mm -hmm. and the, just the communities come together. What did you see? I mean, what, what I guess you kind of got to see a little bit more firsthand being 
married to a farmer who was probably just out there with y'all's neighbors, right? I mean, what did y'all see up, up, up your way? Well, I mean, we didn't have nearly the damage of what, you know, Lafouche, all those parishes said. But the story is the same no matter what the storm is, that farmers who aren't affected reach out like last year during Laura when it was actually really bad in Washtenaw Parish for my parents. Mike Malonsaw and them brought fuel for dad to have for his chicken houses because they had no fuel and mm-hmm. they had no energy. And it was in the middle of summertime when you have to cool those birds off. Yeah. And so the, you know, it doesn't matter the storm farmers across the state help their neighbors when they can, you know, if they weren't affected. Yeah. And this week's show, you see Mike Malonso again coming to help out uh, Greg Ravois mm-hmm. after Hurricane Ida. I mean, that's, that's just what farmers and ranchers do, uh, you know. And in they turn around and do the same for him had he been in that situation. Yeah. Look, look for the look for the helpers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who said that? Where is that from? Mr. Mr. Rogers. Rogers. Yep. Oh, there you go. I'm about to say I've heard that. That sounds very familiar. <laughs> yeah. Who are the people in your neighborhood? Anyway. Yeah. You, you wrote that into a script a few. Yes. Uh, back during the storm, I'm pretty sure. Well, moving on from from that storm and some brighter things, what are some of the the bright moments we've had in 2021? I know for me that the alligator story was fun, but there's been a lot of, uh, you know, uh, good stuff with um, some of the breweries and stuff like that that are fun to see the fun products from agriculture. Well, I'm going to hit you up with another one that uh, I was scrolling through. The Imahara story. Yeah. That, that was, was one that I, I think was was especially good for you to do at the time because you had done a story with him way back in the day. Yeah, You'd been to Japan mm-hmm. and saw the gardens there, mm-hmm. did a story about the gardens right. in Japan, yeah. and then get to revisit and reconnect with Mr. Imahara. What was, what was that like for you? Uh, just fascinating. It's one of those things that was, I would have really have loved to have had just an infinite amount of time to, you know, put showcase him because he was a weightlifter. He was a champion weightlifter at the University of Southwestern Louisiana. That's right. And uh, uh, he was known as the Asian Cajun. And mm. so they um, uh, featured him because for his weight class, he won the Pan Am Games. I mean, he was he was an incredible guy known uh, exclusively for that on the national stage. But here in Baton Rouge, he's known Imaharas is known exclusively for their landscaping. The now demolished Cortana Mall in Baton Rouge, his father did all that landscaping. He, you know, was part of that instrumental in that. And he does all he he was part of a lot of the landscaping there. The story was on his garden for the Hemingbow uh, mm-hmm. plantation and, and areas where where Avery and Lauren got married. Um, but uh, he, they wanted a Japanese garden for that area. And so he put in all of this heritage there. There's a. Um, a particular gate. He's got one of the toddy gates there at the garden, and he took rope from a Mississippi River barge uh, to tie it to Louisiana, and he's got it, the Tory gate tied up. And it's evocative of this place in Japan where these two rocks that are known as the husband and wife rocks, and every year they go in and they tie them together with rope, big Shimanawara uh, rope that ties them together, and it's a, a symbol for uh good marriages and people go to the shrine there and they pray for their marriages you know mm-hmm. they are or new newlyweds or or people who are engaged go there to pray for it and so there's this 
tie to these really deep old Japanese traditions, as well as these new modern connections to Louisiana and the United States. And and he's very much an American. I mean, he, he mm-hmm. doesn't speak Japanese. You know, he knows some Japanese words, but he doesn't speak it. He was raised American. And so um, uh, the struggle um, with him growing up and, and establishing their family business here, especially both in the, the post-war period where Japanese Americans faced a lot of racism, as well as modern times due to the coronavirus, Asians are once again, you know, facing some some headwinds. And so it was great to, you know, feature that and show uh, the contributions people like him have made to Louisiana, to agriculture and to their communities, both at a state and for him, national levels. Yeah, I just thought it was a neat story and it was such a, a great return for for you to do after yeah. you know uh it, it's good i, I wish you, I, I i need to go back during the spring or during a summer when it's in full bloom to kind of highlight that uh one thing as, as you're talking that i was scrolling through our youtube page which if anyone's curious about any of these stories you can find them all on our youtube page but i was scrolling through and i found i forget i mean we didn't even talk about it in our look back show but the 40th anniversary of twyla mm-hmm. <laughs> that was yeah. one of our as a long podcast but we talked about it but that's that's really cool that that was in this year. I mean, sandwiched between a couple of storms. Actually, it was right after Ida, but it's kind of, I mean, I, we forget about that. But that that's actually one of my favorite, one of my favorite stories that mm-hmm. I've done from the year was the story I did for that, which was where I looked back into the 80s and saw how the story of conservation and farmers, you know, pra- with their conservation practices have has happened. And we've told that story here on Twyla for all those, like since mm-hmm. we began as a TV show, which is just a cool, it's cool to see that it's not like it's a new concept and it's not this new thing, but anyways. That, that whole show as a whole is great. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that that whole show, and that, we'll put a link to that just if anybody wants to go watch it, but. Thank, thank goodness for Reginald Wallace and his vision and Mike Dana for taking it to the next level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really a cool one. But another story that popped in my, that I, popped out to me as I'm scrolling through here was a story about Christy Oates White here mm-hmm. and your art. Oh, TV you story. What do you think about that? I mean, what was that like being on the other side of the camera? We haven't, I don't think we ever actually get to talk to it, you about we, that. It, weird, odd, <laughs> strange. Did you feel Any like you other... wanted to grab the camera sometimes and actually yeah, do Well, some I tried, I'm sure she was very aggravated with me because I tried to give her what narrative I thought she should take with it <laughs> because, well, she was trying to, I think she just, Kind of wanted to come Once to a, a storyteller, story. always mm-hmm. a storyteller. Yeah. yeah, I said, "Well, here's here's if I if it were my story, this is how I would tell it." And <laughs> how do you like that? Whenever somebody when a farmer does that with you, they don't really. Yeah. Okay. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so what, Tammy? How did Tammy respond to that? You think? <sighs> Who knows? <laughs> well, I thought the story came out. Story great. came out awesome. It was yeah, great. She did a great job with it and showed the you know the side of you that doesn't get to come across you know on the show well yeah i was i think i was trying to help her find a way well to a connection to ag yeah because she said i I think she thought that i did a lot more ag content content than i had done in terms of art but she actually did inspire me to do more i'm Mm -hmm. glad you did because it's going to be on my desk all year (laughs) Mm mm-hmm for anyone that doesn't know, Kristen does these calendars, the desk calendars. You have one, right, Neil? I do. I'm yeah. sitting here looking at Neil. Like, I think you have one. We all have one. Yeah, Kristen's, Kristen's 
the Christmas tree's up right now. On Kristen's mine. been so generous and gifted us mm-hmm. those. And the newest calendar she's done for 2022 is 100% ag. And it's all the different commodities. All Yeah. And I thought, I was like, for it's sure so I would have good. no trouble filling. But then I kind of brainstormed with you. I was like, well, what? I have, you, you think you could name off 12 commodities, but then. Were you little, trying to match them with, with the months a little bit? Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, once I got them mm-hmm. done, because Andy said I would swap, or no, you said I would put September, I would change September from rice, and I said, well, that's National Rice Month. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I did try to suggest mm-hmm. moving that around, but you have an argument for it. But it's a really good calendar, and uh, you probably wouldn't have brought that up to promote it, but I'm going to promote it because it's freaking good. And no, Yeah, it, it was, <laughs> but she was the re like, Tammy, that that Tammy gave me, I said, I said, well, that would be a good, you know. Mm-hmm. Some more stuff. You do, what 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 other stuff do you do just so we know? Because we didn't really, she didn't really show much of the art. I feel like talked about you and your I know you upbringing. Do a, you do a fair amount of bridge. A lot of bridge oh, yeah, work. Because in Natchez, the, the bridge is like the icon of the city pretty mm-hmm. much for that area. And um, I like doing a lot of things with intaglios like clay mm-hmm. and plaster work. I like doing a lot of my ADD comes into play hard when it comes to the art because I can't I like doing too many different things. Just so swap I, lanes all the yes, time. Mediums, you name it. Styles. So you do so ornaments. There's not a lot of consistency. Christmas ornaments. You do uh canvas, you do like I mean what all else do you Watercolor, do? Watercolor. I mean Literally, everything, everything. I'll try. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> she did not include in the story though because she asked. She asked. Have, she said, "Have you always had this talent?" And I said, "I've always been yeah. able to do it." That's the question I have. Is tell me, tell us more about that. Your your connection to art and and your 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 drive for that. She didn't include this in there. Um, she, I said, I've always been able to do it. I've, I feel like I've always had the talent for art. I took it in high school, middle school. But my brother is the truly talented artistic one. I mean, there is nothing that he could not paint, that he could not draw. That's why he went into graphic design doing video games like he's doing, which I'm. we've talked about numerous times since y'all are such big gamers. <laughs> but he... Especially he, Carl. Oh, he, he always, like he, and he never had any training in it, mm-hmm. but I always watched him. You wanted to be like him? No, to but I mean, it was just like... Any, that's I guess where I picked it up was just watching him because he's ten years older than I am, and I. It's funny because I bought these Prismacolor markers and I told him I said I understand when you were in college and I was so little that you said if you touch these I will kill you mm-hmm. because I saw the price of them mm-hmm. once I bought them myself recently and I said now I understand why you didn't want me to touch them when I was little mm-hmm. but he yeah and mom always tells the story when we went to Disney World when I was. A year old, I got in so much trouble because I drew a bunny rabbit with a sharpie on the wall in the hotel. Oh, they could not get off, and she said, "Well, the only thing that I can say is it does look like a bunny rabbit." <laughs> At one, so yeah. So you were born with it. It's just I think it might much run in the family because he's. I mean, there's he is the talented one. Mm. What well, what inspires you? I mean, what what triggers you to say, you know what? I'm going to go and this is what I'm going to paint or this is what I'm going to put together. Hmm. Do you think about who who would buy this or who would want this? Sometimes, yeah. 
or Sometimes. where it would just look good? You have art in your office. Do you think about where that's, this could yeah, go? Yeah, that's old. That's old garbage art. Well, for my for my <laughs> own house, yes. Like I'll think of what do I want color wise? What do I want? Mm-hmm. And abstracts are so different. I wish that I had. Um, I wish that I could take a class on watercolor because I had I had very little training in it. But I love all all of the ag calendar is watercolor. I love to to use that medium. Mm-hmm. So the challenge of watercolor that that inspires slash challenges me because I don't know really what I'm doing. So I'm kind mm-hmm. of just so that kind of is what inspires me to challenge. But I mean, do to you figure go, it out as I go. Yeah. Do you walk into the studio and say, OK, this is what I feel like painting? Or do you see something and then suddenly say, I got to go into my studio now and start working on this? Or is it just a pretty picture of cotton? No, well, with the yeah, with that ag calendar, I was I was trying to do like a very simple look with everything being on white to keep it. Because my yeah. brother, when he came into town, he said the chicken's really good. He said, but he said I would make the background darker. I said no. I was trying to keep pretty much like all one look. I pretty I feel like I don't ever. Yeah, when I do get an idea, though, it's like I have to, mm-hmm. if I'm not doing work, this job work, it's like when it, as soon as I finish. In the barn you go, huh? Yeah. Pretty much every day after I do the newsletter, when it's, you know, five, sun's about to go down. Yeah. I think you just have lights out there. But yeah, I'll go out there and put pen to paper or ink, paint to paper. Does it change the way you see the world? Because like in my, I've done a little painting and one of the things that struck me because I don't have a lot of natural talent with it was the way that when you look at something, like if I'm looking at Carl's blue shirt, you don't just paint, like if you were painting that, you don't just paint a swath of blue. There's black in there. There's There's, white in there. There's there's shadows. There's Mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff that don't, you don't think about until you have to create it. That's the thing about watercolor too, is that it's, <laughs> it's difficult because you have to think about the layers in terms of you you do your light first mm-hmm. and there are I love Bob Bob Ross mm-hmm. yep Bob Ross that there are no mistakes because they're truly like with watercolor I like that it's you can you can add water if you put it too dark but if you're not like on those areas where I was trying not to get any, have a lot of white space. Well, if you mm-hmm. screw that up and you get paint on there, you're kind of stuck. But you can always go, like he talks about, there are no mistakes. They're just happy accidents. And you mm-hmm. can go add a flower. The cow has mm-hmm. flowers because I spilt paint where <laughs> where I didn't need paint to be. So I'm laughing because it made me think of the Monty Python skit with Michelangelo painting the uh, Last Supper. And... Excuse me. And what he does is he keeps adding apostles. So by the end of it, there are 20 something apostles and three Christs. Because he messed it up that bad. No, because oh, I'll just uh, the kangaroo. Oh, I'll just paint him out. I make him another apostle. Yeah. Ah, that's funny. That's one of my favorite Monty Python skits of all time. Yeah, but you do you do look at things in terms of shading a lot. Mm-hmm. 
Well, that got uh, got us a really I didn't great really mean that to lead into a full-blown it was great discussion, yeah, but I, thank you. I, thank you for sharing. I do that. I do love to see when you post another like artwork. Yeah. Do you do you take do you take pictures for inspiration like of colors that go together or from your front yard with some new cattle you have in y'all's pasture and sunset yeah, some, with an earth, sometimes. oak tree in front of it maybe? Sometimes. <laughs> I'm thinking of a very specific picture that I want you to paint. Oh. No. <laughs> Yeah. You posted it right at sunset when you had the right when y'all got your, your cows. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That that is one that I yeah. That's what whenever you were asking about inspiration, mm-hmm. I was thinking of that picture. I was like, please, dear Lord, paint that picture soon. I just hadn't had time. Yeah. <laughs> that is that is a pretty picture, yeah. And where can someone let's go ahead and go full, full in. All right. Let's just mm-hmm. go full in. Where can someone get some of your art and how like can now, they find it? You can get. You For will. the low price of nineteen ninety five, you too can have a painting by Kristen Oaks White. I don't have a website yet; just haven't gotten around to, well, to doing that. Well, this podcast will be posted Friday. What you get? What you do until then? Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> um, I have a Facebook page and an Instagram, which I'm sure that Carl will link. I can link that. You can link those in the show notes. Mm-hmm. I can link that. Do you have calendars available if people wanted to get some? Yeah. DM there. That actually is. There's a girl. I contacted a girl in. Um, who has an art store in Lake Providence because that's all ag community up there. And so she has on a website. So you have some in Lake Providence area. Yes. With a, Didn't you drop some off down here? But she'll ship. Last week? Or yeah. would you, you, oh, you dropped off ornaments down here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Never mind. Forget but, that. Straight. But yeah, she, she has a website link that anybody from Timbuktu could. Awesome. Yeah, the ag calendars are bomb. They're great gift ideas too. Mm-hmm. Because I plan to get a couple from you. That's very cool. It's very cool to hear this stuff and and talk about art in the context of agriculture. Because, you know, when I came to this job, you think just, you know, sows and plows like the FFA talk about. But it's way more than that. And it mm-hmm. touches on all of these things, not the least of which is, you know, the connection we have to these these experiences. We can talk about the same thing over and over. But when you experience it, it's fresh and unique to you. Recently, some so the there was this really interesting cloud pattern over Baton Rouge where it was all these dappled clouds. I took a picture of it and then at sunset they were all reflecting it. And my Facebook feed was just filled with people who had taken pictures. Mm -hmm. And it's just inspiring to see that one. I mean, it was just simple clouds and these pretty colors on it, but it was just amazing to experience and to see. That makes me think of the story I did back to the look back, thinking back to the year I was scrolling through our feed and I saw a couple of pictures I took on a story mm-hmm. in Shreveport area um, at the uh, Mahaffey Farms. Oh, yeah, and it's great. Kristen just said off mic. Those were great pictures. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Patting myself on the back. But that's one of those stories that I think back on the year of like, man, I got some really cool pictures. Incredible interview. It was such a neat story. I think we talked about it on a podcast because he's kind of he's got chicken beef and pork all grazing on this farm that used to be a golf course. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it was just one of those cool things. But as we were scrolling through, I like to take pictures whenever I go on shoots sometimes. And that's one of those things also. It's like, it's another, you know, farmer that has pork and beef and poultry. And that's becoming more and more common. This kind of uh, diversification on their farms these these guys that are doing that mm-hmm. and gals i shouldn't say just guys but whenever you go and take pictures and and i use a different artistic muscle like i did on that story it was like oh 
just stands out and kind of makes it fresh for me being the storyteller. Anyways, that was a cool story to go back and shoot. Um, Avery, any, any stories thinking back on the year? We've gone long already, but nope, no, no stories, <laughs> no stories come to mind. Okay, cool. That's it. No, I, I mean, naturally, uh, I'm going to gravitate toward what Neil had brought up. He brought up about breweries and, beer, of, uh, course. of course it all, it all comes, comes back to beer. Um, going to Lachine. Mm. And visiting with Ryan and Brett Dunham and seeing what they've done just in the year of a pandemic. I mean, they opened in October during a pandemic and, you know, they bought this place over in Denham Springs that used to be uh, an oil change place and said, you know what, that underground area where they would go to drain the oil, that's perfect for us to put some custom made fermenting tanks. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the, what I really like is the story behind the story. We know these guys because they used to repair our computers here mm-hmm. and work on the network here. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just really neat to see the successes they've had, not just with Lachin Brewing, but pie-eyed pie truck that Ryan's got. You got to go back and do a story there. I do. I've, I've failed. I've failed them. I've failed my viewers by not going back and do that story. Um, just had a few things going on like hurricanes. Yeah. I did go and check them out. They're not too far from my house. I, I drove out right before Hurricane Ida made landfall. They were doing like a, uh, I don't know, a couple of days before as it was kind of making its way. They were selling some crowlers mm-hmm. for a uh, discount just to get some people some hurricane party supplies. And I went and supported a local business, mm-hmm. some friends, you know, just took one for the team and came home with way too much beer. but. Had to drink it. <laughs> the hibiscus beer they had was I got amazing. That one and it was that was awesome. so good. They also Ryan took me down uh, and showed me the the tanks and stuff, and it is really cool. It's just like, oh man, this feels like feels like the scene of a movie down yeah. there. It's like it's like a set. Is this set design or is this actual like where the work happens? And it's and both. It's, <laughs> it's neat that you can be sitting at the bar and you look straight down, and there are the tanks mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. under you. They've got you know that uh, oh, that, is cool. that grill. Yeah. Uh, instead of a, a solid floor. Yeah, it's really neat. Although the stairs made me a little bit nervous getting down there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thought you were going to hit your head on the... Yes, for sure. Because, yeah. Any stories come to mind for you that you remember us doing or posting or... I mean, you post every single one of these stories online, so you have to watch most of them. It feels like the last two years have kind of run together. Yeah. At least hard. it does. Looking for bloopers. <laughs> for the... <Yeah. laughs> I think that every every story that we put in the 40th anniversary show was one of the best stories all year from mm-hmm. everybody in terms of the history of it, your Neil your talked story. in that, that yeah. show about all the different places the Farm Bureau has taken him and this show has taken him. Yeah, again, I just feel uncomfortable about it because it's it, it was so me-focused, you know, it was yeah. hard to really do. But Well, you should. <laughs> I'm brutal. <laughs> it was a neat uh, element to the story because you've been here the longest. It's yeah. all about Neil. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's I celebrate 25 years this year, and I'm I'm. It is amazing to look back and see all of the changes, and I see it now because going around Farm Bureau, people have started to come back, and it there's all these young people here that I don't know, 
you know, and I used to know everybody in the, the building and, and it's not a bad thing at all. I don't, I don't regret it or hate it. I, it, it's great to see the, the young people. And I, I think about, I was thinking about that when you were talking about Lashen is that the younger generations are so much better about blending their work and personal lives than the older generations mm-hmm. have been. And, and it's, it's, it's something for me, like I, I have to actively work to unclench that, to be able to you know, let people into my personal life and let them see that. But, uh, the younger generations are just like, you know, I mean, Kristen just does art on the side of her job and, and Carl's into music and his church work. And, and it's, it's, it's great to see. It's great to see that people aren't just so being confined to their identities from their careers. And, and I think it's a positive change that the younger generations are taking under and, and, and it's good to see. And I, and I think that they are still doing the serious work that uh, people have done in the past on top of it. Okay, Boomer. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, you've always done your martial arts. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I keep that kind of isolated and contained. I mean, my interest in Japan is connected to there, but I, I really, you know, and, and I have done that, but I've always tried to put a barrier between that and my, my work life. But you've let Japan bleed over into your work life some lately. But I've always found an ag angle there mm-hmm. i mean especially so sacrificial of you yeah well I, it's i mean gotta gotta work hard to find that angle don't you yeah i'm gonna take it back to what Kristen said about the the 40th anniversary show one of the things that i did like about it as well was we heard some voices that we had not really mm-hmm. heard much before you one know of which was linda zonbrecker's yeah you know and that was that's where she just passed away uh a week ago sunday yeah, it would be a week ago. Because John Dennison passed away. He was one of those voices. He passed away on the 30th, right. and Linda Zombrecker passed away on the 21st. Yep. So, you know, we yeah we heard a lot of, lot of voices that we hadn't heard, and we hadn't heard in other, you know, anniversary stories. I mean, David Langley, I think that was the first interview yeah. he's mm-hmm. given. That was neat. I'd never met him. I've heard his name a million times, but I never met him. But... Also, just hearing Mike's voice again yeah. a lot in that show, just yeah, doing was... gathering clips. I mean, I was not here for the turkey show or for um, some of these other Frankenmuth. Yeah, all these different shows that we yeah. referenced in the uh, in the show itself. So I was going and finding all these old episodes and just like seeing Mike and his element, mm-hmm. you know, and like, oh man, it was wild. But yeah, you're right. It was really cool and and seeing. What was really cool was seeing Reg talking about the purpose and the goal of the show and then having mm-hmm. Mike talking about how the show has changed over the years and telling stories about Reg and getting the show up off the ground and now bringing it even to Langley and uh, Sherman mm-hmm. and hearing those guys talk about the work that's still happening here. It's, it, was, it was pretty neat. I love that story. Um, I love seeing it because from my perspective now, and that's the real thing that hits after 25 years is I see just how integral this job is to my life. You know, what it's done for me, the places it's brought me, the people I've gotten to meet, the stories I've gotten to do. And people like Reg and people like Mike and people like David Langley were so instrumental. I had a conversation when I was an intern with David Langley at the Department of Agriculture and Forestry. I remember this like it was yesterday. Or we're sitting on, he was sitting on the couch, we were waiting on the commissioner. And I said, you know, David, I'd like to possibly work here. Do you have any problem with that? He, he laughed and he said, no, I have no problem with it whatsoever. I, 
you know, I hope you're able to get the job. And, and it was encouragement like that and encouragement from people like Mike who kept me on as an intern for a year and a half long after anyone at that time had ever worked as an intern that has propelled me to this day. And it's people like, like you were just talking about that Reg set this example. And now you've picked up on, as you're now the producer of the show, Carl, and you, you're there because Reg decided to do this before you were born. Mm-hmm. It's pretty wild. And actually this week I was at the Rice Outlook uh, conference in New Orleans yesterday. And I had a conversation. I ran into Philip Bertrand, who I did a story with last year following Laura, Hurricane Laura. And this might be a good place to wrap this up because he was telling me, he said, you'll never believe how much help that story has been. And I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back. He was just saying, you'll, you're the only one. Twyla is the only one that showed up to tell our story. And I was like, it made me really, really proud. It also made me feel a little bit bad that nobody else, no other news outlet, even locally, was telling that story of, of the infrastructure damage to the ag world. But he was saying, y'all were the ones that showed up to, show, to tell our story. And it was really cool to hear him say that and how much he appreciated it and how he was able to use that story to tell, like, show his customers, you know, mm-hmm. around the world, hey, we're open for business. Look at us now kind of thing. So it was really cool to see what Reg started and how we're now that outlet that is telling farmer stories, farmers, you know, and industry stories that affect people around the world. Yeah. yeah. The medium may has may have changed a little bit the the way in which you get these stories might have changed a little bit in terms of you know you're not necessarily waking up at 5 30 in the morning to see it broadcast on your tv set you're and if you miss it you can't ever see it you know until there's a rerun of it if you catch that now now it's 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 on youtube it's on facebook you can dvr it and watch it at your leisure you, you have a story that you want to share with somebody else. You've got that ability. But the one thing that has not changed is what it's really about. And that's about people. Mm. And it's about the people we all work for and the people who all work to keep us fed, clothed, and housed. That's a great place to end it there. And, and I thank everybody here for being on this podcast and listening to us. And uh, hopefully in 2022, we'll have a lot more. We're going to the American Farm Bureau Convention January 7th through 12th. We're going to have some good stories there. Some, If we can't take good, pretty pictures in the North uh, mountains of North Georgia, I don't know <laughs> if we can do it at all. So we'll have that. We've got uh, some we'll really cool stories there. lined up already. Absolutely. So it's going to be exciting. So, We'll uh, we'll see that. So I want to thank Kristen Oaks-White, Carl Wiggers, Avery Davidson. And uh, on behalf of them, I'm Neil Malalson. Thanks for joining us. Talk to you next time. Bye. If you can, subscribe to us on your favorite place to get podcasts. Also, leave us a review wherever you're listening, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play. And let us know what you think about the show. Reviews are great, but sharing is how you show that you're caring. So bring (laughs) your mother in, bring your sister in, share this podcast with them. Let them know that you enjoy listening to the Twyla After Show. And don't forget this podcast is produced by the Louisiana Farm Bureau Federation, the voice of Louisiana agriculture. 